Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. My name is Daniel Conn. I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports, Michael Gannon and Keith Jackson. Guys, how are you both? Not bad, not bad. Morning, guys. <clears throat> morning, chaps. Full of the Monday morning joys. Nice, nice, nice way to start the week. Perfect way to start the week. Um, Keith picking the bones over, well, another very disappointing Celtic display. Your column, which is uh, on Record Sport Online just now, um, I thought it was a very fair reflection on, on the state of things at Celtic. I mean, how do you see it yourself? It's not good, is it? It's it's a, it's a really difficult situation that um, they find themselves in at the minute. Um, you know, first and foremost, cards on the table. I'm a big fan of Brendan Rodgers. I think he's a terrific manager. And if anybody can turn it around, then it's him. Um, but I think he's made a couple of missteps over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I, I really don't know where he was going last week, you know, or, or after the St Mirren game when, you know, I think an attempt was made to engender a sort of siege mentality by, you know, suggesting that, you know, it's people outside the, the football club who are creating the problems or overblowing the problems. Um, that's just not the case. So that's asking people to believe that black is white. Um the, the problems have been obvious, and they've been obvious for some time. Yes, Celtic went in a decent run of results, but the performances weren't there. Um, recruitment hasn't been good enough, uh, either in the summer or in January. Um, the new signings that have come in haven't been good enough. The standard of performance hasn't been good enough. And these were all sort of glaringly obvious. So I think it was a bit disingenuous to, to sort of uh, suggest that you know, mountains were being made out of molehills. Um, Celtic's problems have been obvious for some time. And if you're going to come out and you're going to play that card, then you need to back it up by beating Kilmarnock at home. And they, they didn't do that either. So it, it kind of just makes it all feel a little bit flimsy. Um, they've got a problem and the feels to me as if there's been a disconnect for some time. Daniel and... You know, on the other side of the city, we're, we're, you know, I think you've got a situation here where Celtic fans cannot tolerate the idea of a, a, a of a genuine title fight. Certainly not of losing their supremacy domestically. Um, at, at the same time, you've got Rangers fans who are genuinely just delighted to be in the thick of it right now. So mm. it's it's a really strange sort of imbalance between the two clubs at the minute in time, and all the momentum you have to say is behind Rangers. 
Uh, Mick, it's even looking at the game on Saturday itself. I think everyone says, everyone Keith says there is spot on, it's correct. But it's even just looking at the Celtic team, you go back to last season and you take out of Angie's team, you know, Starfelt, Carter Vickers isn't there for a lot of the season, Moy, Hatati's been out for most of the season, we all know about Abada, Jota. You took that out of Angie's team, it would cripple it. So, I mean, I get Rogers, the buck stops with him, but it's remarkable that Celtic haven't, haven't replaced these players, or adequately replaced them at least. Yeah, I mean the bigger the bigger picture is Celtic perhaps grossly over I'm not exaggerated over kind of assessed where they were last season and underestimated where Rangers were. There wasn't that much between the sides the last couple of years, really, uh, in real terms. The summer window was and the January window were both disastrous, really. I mean the the, the, the they spent money by the way, they spent twenty million plus, but it spread so thin. On these kind of players with the kind of cross kind of prospects, it's wasted because none of these signings have been any good. I mean, I don't think I mean what the twelve signings made since last summer. I don't think any of them are really, look any great shakes. I mean, you've got to give uh, Kuhn a bit of time, but first impressions doesn't look that promising. I mean, you've got to get I say you got to give him time. Uh, Adamida well, it's decent enough, but is a class aesthetic player. I don't know, but doubt it. Uh, so the equipment's been terrible. That's what's caused the problems. You look at that back four in the last few weeks. I mean, it ended up in part with uh, was it Burnley, Bay, Scales, Welsh, and Ralston. Mm-hmm. Listen, they're all good lads to have in the squad, but that's that's an Aberdeen or a Hibs back four. That's a that's a back four you could see in, in an Aberdeen shot or Hibs, Hibs shots. Um, and then when they struggle, you think, well, what's is the reason why? When you look at the the, the problem in defence is actually one of the major major problems with the team playing. Because the, the, the centre defenders are, I say they're good lads and all that stuff, but they're not great with the ball. The building for the back isn't happening. In the past, under Rodgers, they had guys like Christopher Ayer, Dedrick Boyata, Simonovic, Benkovic, guys that could stand in the ball and step up, and uh, Svitchenko, guys that could step into the midfield with the ball, make a pass, hold the play. <clears throat> what happens now is you're getting centre halves that are passing the ball back to each other, back and forward, back and forward, back and forward, and going nowhere. They give it to the fullbacks who maybe haven't got the, the, the skill set to, to also break a line and pick a pass. The moves are breaking down before they even leave their own half. Kamara didn't actually press particularly aggressively. They just got in the way and so the defenders couldn't handle having the ball at their feet. Uh, and then they did press, hoofed it out of the park. I mean, and that happened more than one occasion. Sadly, it's been happening all season. They, they can't build the game for the back. That's, that's a major, major problem with the team. The wingers aren't producing the goods. They're not getting beyond men. They're not getting to the byline. Kyogo, poor Kyogo, running up blind alleys all day. He must be blowing sick at sight of it. Um, it's just a, a malfunctioning team right now. But it's down to personnel. It's down to recruitment. It's down to the bigger picture. Um, and the, the day-to-day kind of, kind of tactical stuff as well. So it's just not working. I mean, you look at the league table, you think two points in it, you think this is the start of the race for the line. But for Celtic, it feels kind of like the finish. I think I think Mick, what's, what's is actually more concerning from a Celtic perspective is Kilmarnock turned up there at the weekend, fully believing they were going to get a result. Yeah, McInnes has set up his team there with you know he's gone with, with two strikers, he's gone aggressive, um, man for man, basically you know across the pitch. There's there's no fear factor there. Now there is, but it's at Celtic. Yeah. They've got the fear factor. I mean, even it used to be that if Celtic scored first, the game was done. I mean, that's pretty much first goal was a winner for Celtic. They scored at the Parkhead early. It's game over. 
This yeah. season, they scored first against Ross County, had to hang on in the end, scored first against Aberdeen, hanging on the end for a point, scored I mean, against Hibs, lucky out there with, with a penalty kick in the last minute to get a result, scored first again in the weekend and then they get a result. Not even, not even scoring first to settle on Celtic right now. Even the early goal, scored four minutes against against Ross County and and, 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 um, and Hibs and it's not it's not settling any nerves on the pitch. And people say, oh, it's the fans are getting touchy and all that stuff. I don't, I don't buy that either. Listen, it's it's shouldn't it be a bit of nervousness in the stands. It's because because the players are making them nervous. It's um, it's the other way around. Um, but the fear factor's gone from rivals, but it's certainly not not gone with Celtic. It's increased with the Celtic squad. Um, and teams aren't really worried anymore. They know how they've seen it now. Mullow done it at Parkhead. St. Johnson done it at Parkhead. Teams know how to play against Celtic. Let them have the ball at the back if they want. They're not going to do it with it. I'm going to pick a line. I think the one thing to remember, though, if you're, you're analysing where this season is at right now and, and how it finishes, as you're talking about the finishing line there, Michael, Brendan Rodgers has taken on Rangers twice this season, one twice. So that tells you that, that this isn't over. You know, d- despite how it might feel, despite the, the sort of the very negative feel around the thing just now, I think from Celtic's perspective, if you've got a manager that knows how to win all firm games, then you've still got a chance. Uh, albeit that I would say I think Rangers are, are, are now actually favourites in my book to go on and win this now. Oh, there's absolutely no doubt that Rangers are favourites. I mean, look at the trends. I mean, Celtic are on course to get about 90 points and Rangers under Clermont are on course to get near 100. So the chances are the gap's going to increase rather than... The, that's, rather than... It's actually a bit less than that. I think Celtic, if it, the, the, the current sort of a result rate was extrapolated out over the course of the season, Celtic will be on course for about 80-odd points. See, that's and, not, that's and not Rangers, Yeah, Rangers are, I think, about 103. Yeah. Uh, so, under Clermont. So Rangers have dropped six points to Celtic and five points to Aberdeen and are two points clear. So it shows you the problem isn't the old firm game, it's other games. Uh, Celtic have dropped points in seven games this season in the league. They dropped points in six all of last season, including three after the title was done. I, I completely so, agree, Mike, but what I'm saying to you is if Brendan Rodgers keeps his winning streak going against Rangers, Celtic still win the title. Yeah, but I, well, no, I don't, I, I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't think they can trust the Celtic team to win the rest of the games. Mm. I mean, the, 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 the trending and the evidence in the last few months suggests that they won't win the, the 10 out of 12 games that are not non all firm. Will they drop more than six points in those games? Wouldn't bet against it at the moment. Um, so it, it's going to take the problem I think Celtic have got is that this could be branded as a kind of team off form or players that are going off the boil or a lack of confidence, but I don't think it is. I think it's actually players that aren't good enough, and players that aren't good enough have only got a mount they can they can improve, and yeah. I don't think a lot of these players have got enough to improve to make that big a difference over this next few next few months. Well, do, 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 do you know what I found interesting with the the Cup game at St Mirren. I thought Celtic were all over the shop for the first 10-15 minutes of that match. First half, I thought. Well, I thought that Callum McGregor, about 15 minutes in to the first half, took it upon himself to start controlling the midfield. And, and you know, I, I wrote after that, he, he can't be expected to be that guy every single week. He can't do it. He can't carry that burden. He needs others to, to contribute. And then what happens? They go to Kilmarnock, Callum McGregor does it particularly good day. Nobody else is there to pick up the the mantle and, and, and that that's a big worry. You look around going, well, where's your leaders? I'm not sure there's, there's enough leaders in there. To play devil's advocate, I mean, Carter Vickers is to come back 
I think maybe even for the Motherwell game. Hatati hopefully will be back next month ahead of the Rangers game. I know, I know it's only two players, but they are, they're two big players. They, they could make a hell of a difference in the running if Celtic are, are in a title fight. Yeah, well, the problem you've got there is that Carter Vickers has hardly played this season. So when he does come back, how, how good is he going to be? Is he going to be ring rusty? Is he going to need three, four games to get himself up to speed? And you can say the same thing about Hitati, who hasn't really looked like the same player this season at all, even when he has been fit. Um, you know, he, he was struggling to get into the first 11 at the start of the season. So there's problems. And I think Mick's hit the nail on the head in terms of it is, and it's what Brendan Rodgers has been saying. There's just a lack of quality. And it's it's now glaringly obvious. And I keep going back to January. And I just cannot understand for the life of me why they just didn't go and sign a left-back. It was absolutely required. There's millions sitting in the bank. Sign a left-back. Even but, if it's just to take a bit of pressure off yourself, to lighten the mood a little bit. You know, Celtic have really contributed to, to the to the malaise that they're in right now. It's not Celtic's fault, but Celtic's. But see, on that, Keith, so there's a kind of narrative building, and it's only social media, and I'm going by talking to friends and stuff like that. There's this narrative building that's down to Peter Lowell. Since he's come back, the signings have dried up. I mean, I know you guys, I'm putting you on the spot, you know, it's how long is a piece of string, but why didn't Celtic go out and strengthen the jack? I mean, why on earth didn't they with 70 million in the bank? I cannot, for the life of me, fathom it. It makes there's nothing logical about it. It's perfectly illogical. You know that the mood music's not good. You know the fans are getting a, um, a bit angsty. You know that the manager says that he needs quality. He said he needed four players. For Celtic to fail to produce during that January transfer window is it just defies all sort of logic. And I cannot. For the life of me, I cannot fathom why they were so inactive. It, it doesn't make any sense. Don't get me wrong, Mick. I'm not. I'm not advocating like going out and just spending money on players that aren't. You know, a bit like they did last summer, maybe. You know, three, four million quid in players that maybe aren't up to it. But there must have been players out there that would have improved this squad, surely. Listen, nobody can quite fathom how Celtic have gone so far off the rails in terms of recruitment in the last kind of. Listen, this is not just this season. If you go back to Probably, I would go back to the summer of 2022. And you look at the signings since then, I don't think they've made a decent sign. I mean, Arthur Johnson, I think, is okay. But apart from that, every signing that's been made since then has been pretty ordinary at best. And Matthew Bailey? He was, he was before that. Right, okay. Sorry. He was January 2022. Yeah. Palmer's, done, Palmer's done okay. Palmer. Pass marks. No. Not for me, Okay. If you want, if you want to assess Palmer, you need to use the yardstick. What's your yardstick? Your yardstick's Jota. How close is he to that? He's nowhere near it. No, so I don't think. He's I don't even think. I don't think he's any better than Haxabanich was, and he's in currently on loan in the road. So I, I, the whole thing to me was was very strange. Going back to the summer, Celtic were sitting with a big pile of money in the bank. They lost a a box office manager. They went to Spurs. They go out and buy in another box office manager. The best manager they could get at that possible time was Brendan Rodgers. I have no doubt about that. But what was the point? What was the point if they're not going to let them tool up? I mean, all right, they spent 20 million, still less than the 25 they got in for Jota. So the net spend was, was less than they brought in. At a time when they got a lot of money, they won a treble, they're in the Champions League. And I kept listening, I said, I kept asking Brendan Rodgers, you don't need, I kept saying, you don't need eight or, or nine, three million pound players. You need Three million, nine million pound players, and the answer always is: Listen, that a nine million pound player comes with a nine million pound player's wages. 
which means that it upsets that I don't get that mentality because if I'm in that team and I'm on 15 grand a week and I'm a, a, wee, a wee fullback, right, and the guy up front is on 60 grand a week and he's scoring 35 goals, I'm like, oh, you're getting me my win bonus. I'm quite happy. I don't understand this mentality that it upsets a dressing room and all that stuff. Well, that's the other thing is that if you ask Brendan Rodgers himself, he would say the same thing, mate. Yeah, he would far rather, instead of spending £20 million on seven players, spend £15 million on, on three, four. And, and you know, that's the argument that he would make if he was sitting on this podcast right now. He would completely agree with that, and I know that. Oh, to be the case. It, it won't so, say it publicly, but I think so as well. But he, listen, it, I don't, they have done it. I mean, Jota, six and a half million Carter Vickers, six and a half million quid. They have done it. And Christopher Julian, seven million quid. You yeah. get what you pay for. I'm not, I'm not saying Celtic's going to spend 10, 15 million pounds, right, on players. That's not going to happen, right? That's a different level again. Yeah. But I'm not saying you can't go out and spend six, seven, eight, nine million pounds when you've got so much money in the bank. So I don't understand, I didn't understand it then. And then having got away with it in the first half of the season, not in Europe, which it exposed because that's what's going to happen. We don't buy quality. But to get away with it in the league for the first half of the season, to go into the second half of the season, in front with a little bit of a cushion to not then hammer home that advantage by going and saying right okay let's go and get the three or four guys at five six million pounds to make sure that we don't mess up because next year's Champions League is worth an absolute fortune I was just about to say it's a catastrophic situation that they find themselves in if they don't make that and if Rangers get ahead of them and they get into that Champions League they get access to, to the funds that are going to be available in that Champions League and Celtic miss out on it that's really bad for business. You've reshaped the entire look at the title race for the next three or four or five years by doing this. Mm. It's, I mean, the self-sabotage is incredible. I mean, I, I, it's like saying they've got a hole in the roof, but I'm not going to fix it because there's not been a storm. No, a storm, that, the storm's coming. That's, you can't you get to fix, fix the roof when you can. Um, it just seems bizarre. I mean, safeguarding money to, in case you don't get the Champions League actually jeopardises getting to the Champions League. Yeah. So I don't understand that policy. Um and to come, back, come out of January with two signs, a loan sign from, from Norwich, um, no offence to the guy, I think he's a decent lad, I think he'll do, do a decent enough job, but it, to come out of that, and a winger who had been, the reputation for a wee bit injury prone, had been a youth player, someone else player, and done all right, but give him a five and a half year contract. You think, that's what you came out the window with in January, when you said you need three or four quality players to hammer home um, the financial well, advantage. What, does that, what, does that say, what does that say to you, Michael? Do you look at that and do you think, do they believe that Brendan Rodgers is going to be here in the summer? Or do, or, or do they think that that's maybe run its course, therefore hold fire, spend in the summer under a new manager? That That's the bit that I don't get. Because Roger, Brendan Rodgers has made it clear that he wants to be there. He's made it clear that he wants to spend money to bring in quality players. They haven't done it. Why is that? This is well, the bit that I can't fathom. It, clearly, the, the, the recruitment-wise, the players offered up to Rodgers, he's maybe not fancied or they haven't got the ones they wanted at certain times. So there's a problem there. I think there's a feeling, uh, maybe maybe a slight arrogance that, that they think that, well, Brendan Rodgers is this quality manager. He can make do with what he gets and still get a song at them. And he has done that in the past and it's he's done it even to an extent this season. Um, I think he also thinks he can do that. I think Brendan Rodgers thinks he can turn water into wine sometimes. But you can't always do that. Uh, listen, it happened in his first spell. I mean, listen, I mean, Brendan went and got players that would make an eyebrows were raised and he thought he could get a get tune out of them. And did, in fairness. This time, it's not working. The Loves and Fishes thing isn't working. They, they, need, they, need some, they needed some quality last summer. 
because uh, they weren't they weren't as strong as they maybe thought they were last year. When that treble was a, a massive achievement, but there's never there's never a big there was a fine line when the cup games were tight. Extra went either way. The league, what was it? Finished up was at four, seven points eventually. But it, it, I know the end, there's no points at the end. But it was tight and tucked for a long time. Um, this never doesn't take much to shift the sands in Scotland. Really doesn't. It, um, sorry, so, Mike, I didn't mean to jump in, but you see, just on the recruitment, it's the outgoings as well that sort of baffle me as well. Like, like David Turnbull, he might not be everyone's cup of tea, right? Okay, and he, he maybe had to move on. And two million quid might be a decent deal when he only had six months left in his deal. But he scored seven goals from twelve starts this season. And there's no replacement for him. And the other one as well that I keep thinking about, and I know he wasn't Beckham, but I know I remember talking to you about it in this pod, Mick, and he wasn't, he wasn't your favourite, but Carol Starfield was allowed to go for really, really small money in the summer. He was a Sweden international, had just been a, played a big part in the treble, was under contract. Celtic should have been asking for really big money for him. Should have been playing hardball. And he's better than anything you've got now, I would the say. Star, the Starfield thing, I remember saying at the time, didn't make any sense. No. Because... His partner had moved clubs. Was that? He had to leave. I mean, <sighs> oh, I, listen, I guess the only thing I would say, if you're Brendan Rogers, and a guy comes to you and said, boss, I think I want to leave. Why is that? Well, because my uh, my girlfriend, she's just moved. You what? Sorry? Yeah. Well, what does it tell you? I guess it says to you that the guy's heart's not in it. He doesn't want to play for Celtic. Therefore, why keep the guy against his will? But, that episode was bizarre in itself. Yeah, it's, just, it's been like that the whole season through. The, girl, the girlfriend thing was a bit of a red herring. I mean, he went to get a better offer, an offer he fancied in Spain and went for it. Um, I don't think that. I don't think the girlfriend thing was. I think it was a bit of a red herring. But listen, Carl Starfield was decent, right? But he was a big ball standard Scandinavian centre half, and now because of the way it's been this season, he looks like Barese. Let's not let's not reinvent history here. There's yeah. plenty, of, got just now, plenty of people that, that thought staff it was a bomb scare. And by the way, at times it was. Yeah. There's a better option than they've got there now. Yeah. That's the thing. They go and spend eight million pounds, two cent and a half, a Sweden international and a Polish international, you think looks good business. Turns out the two of them can't get in the team. Can you they can barely go off the bench? I mean, bizarre. And that situation with these two is will go down as one of the most bizarre episodes in, in Celtic. I mean, they spent eight million pounds, two cent and a half, two internationals. And, and they can't get a sniff. Can't get a sniff of the game. They've got a, um, a guy who was, was on the verge of going to Aberdeen in the summer, who's been a mainstay, and an academy guy who's been a backup for years. Uh, no harm to him, good lad. But that's what you like. An £8 million of talent sitting on the bench, can't get a game. I mean, answers on a postcard with that one. Um, and the problems are all at centre-half all season. It's just bizarre. See, again, before we finish, guys, because I, I know your, your time is precious and I'm sure everyone listening is probably, <laughs> probably not feeling great about Celtic right now. But one thing I would say is, look, personally, looking for hope, you look at Rangers, Rangers are no great shakes. But this is not like, it's not, Celtic aren't up against the Rangers team's going to run away with this title. I think this is a title race and it's there, as you, you mentioned earlier, Keith, to be won. Uh, and I definitely think a couple of players back, this is definitely about twists and turns. This, this, I, I don't think Celtic are going to just fall apart completely and capitulate. No, no, I, I don't think that either. I think what you've got to consider, though, when you're when you're looking at it, is you see Rangers aren't any great shakes. Fair enough. Their win percentage is pretty impressive. They've got a manager who appears to know exactly how to get a tune out of his own players, how to set a team out to win games. There's no defined style. It's not as if they're playing Ange ball or anything like that. 
but they're winning, and they're winning consistently, and they don't look like slipping up. Um, I think Celtic's big hope just comes down to the fact that what I said earlier, Brendan Rodgers knows how to win the old firm games, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think that is the only hope that Celtic have got at this minute in time is that the manager and some of his key players know what's required in that particular fixture. But again, Michael made, makes the point. There's no point winning winning them both if, if you can't take care of business against the, the other teams. Mm-hmm. But I, I, that that is my, my one point from, you know, Celtic's title defence would be if Rodgers can win one or take four points, say, from, from, from the Sewell Fun games, then it puts Celtic back in a really strong position. Mm-hmm. And Mick, just to finish the next two games, Motherwell at Fur Park and Dundee at home before, I mean, a trip to, to Tynecastle on the 3rd of March. It doesn't, it's, it, I mean, you wouldn't really back Celtic. Is there anyone at the minute, would you? Listen, I, I, I don't know the profit doing for Celtic fans, but I can't see anything apart from this gap increasing. It could be five points by Sunday. Um, I think it was pressurising and nervous last week. Going to Fur Park on Sunday with five points behind is, is major pressure. I just think you look at the Rangers, I agree. I don't think they're, they're particularly in great shakes, but they've got serious momentum and there's improvement in them. I think they will get better. They've got new signs that are bedding in. One of them scores a cracker on, on Sunday. Um, I think that they've got improvement in them. Celtic are regressing at a rate of knots. Um, so, and you look at the fixtures and you think, usually you look at the fixtures and think, well, they're guaranteed to get. 6, 9, 12 points to that point. There's a tough game there. And that could be a, a dodgy one. And there are a couple of games. You don't need to Celtic have dropped points to St. Johnson when they came to Parkhead and had to, had to get a point in the board, practically. Um, so, I mean, I mean, Mullow hadn't won a game for about three months and got a point at Parkhead. Celtic, everybody, every week's going to be perilous for Celtic in this current form. And teams have figured out how to play against them. Timecastle, I mean, I watched, I was at Hearts on Saturday. Hearts produced a performance that was like a Celtic performance one of those running the mill, fairly comfortable wins. They had to be patient, trust their process, break down a team that had sat back with five men at the back and all that stuff, got their goals, win the game, fairly comfortable. You think that's almost an old firm type performance from Hearts, who by the way are 12 unbeaten and, and look good. At the moment, Celtic are the third best team in Scotland on form and on performances and, and points. So unless there's a drastic change somehow, I don't know how Ben Rodgers does it, but he has to electric shock this team into some sort of life. But at the moment, the trending is another direction, and the, the chances are the gap, the gap will get wider rather than rather than Celtic overhauling them. Third part's going to be interesting, isn't it, Mike? Because there has to be a response, there has to be a reaction. <clears throat> and if there's not, and it goes the other way, and it goes south, and more points are dropped, then you are starting to feel as if it's a complete and utter meltdown. But I think everything points to Fur Park. Can he? bring something else out of this side? Can he can he shape it up? Can he can he get a response? Um because if Celtic fail to respond and if Rangers do go five points clear, bear in mind they've got hearts, so you know, that could be a, a difficult game as well for Rangers at the weekend. But but if Celtic were to fall five points behind and then fail to put on a performance at Fur Park, I think it becomes a really dangerous moment. Mm-hmm. No, potentially. Yeah. It, it, the, the, the season is in the balance next few weeks. It is, it's the next few weeks will we'll decide whether it is a kind of a jump start for Celtic's campaign or the end of it completely. Whatever happens, guys, it certainly won't be boring. 
uh, and we'll be covering it all on Record Sport. Uh, Mick, Keith, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much. Cheers, Daniel. Cheers, Cheers guys. And thanks very much to everyone listening at home. Cheers. <laughs>